Welcome to the third episode of Mount Hopeless, the companion podcast to an upcoming musical and performance by Tom Hogan and Alana Stone about the Birkenwills expedition. We were asked to make this podcast by IPAC, giving us digital space to work on the giant lead up to the performance of our work. And our goal is just to give you some insight into the detail and research behind the scenes of making this work. As you'll see, we need to explore the artistic side of the work and the historical side of the work, the cultural significance of the work, our responsibility when telling these stories, and all the while introducing more and more of our own personal experiences. So let me just get Alana on the phone here. Hello. Hello, Alana Stone. Hi, Tom. How are you going? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just trying to figure out this three classic three-way phone call, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it already happening or is it about no, it's to just happen? No, it's just you and me and I'm about to add him in. I figure it was better that we were we were already here. Okay. What is his name? Ashley? Ashley, yeah. Ashley, yeah. Okay, cool. That's right. Forget Zoom. We're doing a three-way phone call, which I've found to be a much more enjoyable thing than, say, Zoom, where you stare at glitchy faces and you can't make direct eye contact with anyone. So along with writing a musical, we're also bringing the classic phone call back. Hello, Ash. Yeah. And this phone call is with Ashley Davies. Ash is a Melbourne musician, drummer and composer who's done some ambitious musical projects that line up with ours and is the kind of person who says, hey, babe. Hi, Ash. How are you going? Um, it's Tom Hogan here, and Alana's on the other line as well, if you can hear her. Hi, Ash. Oh, cool. Hey, bud. Um, hey, how's hi. it going? Um, so, we, so, we, so, Alana and I are doing a project about Burke and Wills, and I know you, you, you've done your own. Hey, so uh, tell uh, me uh, about yeah, that. Yeah. Is that. Is that a Burke and Wills show as well? Is that a musical as well? I, yeah, so we, we sort of, are we, we're working on a retelling of the story that has these songs, so... So it's a music. It's it is a musical, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And and so is it like you wrote the music? Is it is it a does it have actors? Is it a what, what you're singing songs during a show? What? Yeah, it's kind of, it's more like um. I mean, my work in theatre is more like a uh, performance lectures. So it's like storytelling interspersed with songs. So it's just the two of us, Alana and I, on stage, sort of telling the story and dipping in and out of characters, but not so much. It's not like Wicked or anything like that. It's more like a um. A, like a comedic lecture and storytelling sort of um, thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. Wow, I'd love to see it. That's fantastic. I would love to see that. <laughs> of course. Yeah, dude. So we, we found your album, The Expedition, which is a uh, like a sprawling instrumental epic where you've composed and performed music with a full band, which is to be listened to alongside the narrative of Birkin Wills's trek. Um, like the format reminds me of uh, Grieg's Pig Gint, which you know where in the Hall of the Mountain King comes from. You know, like uh, it's like decorative incidental music to a play, uh, and it comes with a story alongside each track. And then yeah. you've released it, narrated by voice of an angel, Henry Waggins. It's pretty gargantuous. Like it's ambitious. Oh, that's great! Yeah, because uh, the the CD came out about I think it's five or six years ago. But but it, but it, the, the first concept of it was that it's a CD booklet and and so you yeah you get the two CDs you get the instrumental CDs and there's 
they're 12 stories, and they were they were written by Dave Phoenix, who's president of the Burton Will Society. He's yeah. a historian in the project. Yeah, I've read, yeah. I've read heaps of his essays on this whole topic. He's, he's just magnificent. So, yeah, you could either listen to the instrumental music and then read the story, or then I did one of these on Ned Kelly as well with the story Ian Jones. I don't know if you're aware of that. Like another and, um, historic Australian kind of personality. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and with that particular uh, CD booklet that we did, Ian wrote 15 narratives that went with the compositions that I did. And um, but after I'd done that CD, people said to me, "Oh, you should put with an, if you ever do it again, you should do a narration CD as well." So that's why I got Henry in to do one. <laughs> you know, um, so people could just sit there and listen to the story and the music at the same time, or you could go to the booklet, read the stories, and see the pictures because. There's some magnificent pictures in the booklet as well from Ludwig Becker and some of the artists on the on the exhibition. This is this is huge. Like Alana and I have trolled through the artwork and the scientific drawings and sketches by Becker and the team on the expedition, and like we're still trying to figure out how to include them in the show without slowing the story down, or like if we do or not. But your your booklet does a pretty good job of that, like of laying them out. Uh, I mean, it's just. Actually, it's just huge talking to someone who has turned the same story into a musical project. And so we, I think, we just wanted to talk to you about your process and what it meant to you and how you did it is just because we, we, I mean, we're still figuring out a lot of, a lot of the sort of uh, story for ourselves. Yeah. Not only like the narrative of the story, but it's mostly about how we tell it, I suppose. So maybe my first question is, I mean, this, this narrative that you've got here that is the 12 chapters of, of Burke and Wills with, by David Phoenix. um, Did he, did he listen to your music? Like, did he write to your music, or was it the other way around? Or like, was it? How did it sort of come about? Well, I, I, I wasn't actually going to do another um, concept album like I'd done with Ned Kelly, but someone put me onto the Birkenwell story, and and Birkenwell was much the same as Ned Kelly in that I just had no idea really about who Birkenwells were and what they actually did, and and. Um, you know, I suppose popular to uh, the, the opinion of others. I, I sort of thought they just got lost out there and really didn't achieve anything at all. You know, <laughs> I mean, I still think that. But, <laughs> well, well, you know, are you still think that? Yeah, as in, I, I think, I think that's one of. The, I mean, the the approach that Alana and I are taking in this story, um, it's like Alana knew this story before I did, and I like. I mean, Alana, you got me onto this story, really. Well, my friends and I were passing around the Dig Tree, the Sarah Murgatroyd book, and um, I think we were all pretty into, I think, adventure novels at the time. I don't know how we got onto it, but I think it's that same thing of not really being aware of that that story and it being a, a good combination of of tragic and also quite funny in in. No, it's kind of ridiculousness and and the over the over preparation of that expedition, which which ultimately was was its downfall. Um, but yeah, I mean, she still writes. I guess she writes a bit disparagingly about them, but not to a degree where you no, where you think yeah. of them as as complete idiots. Um, but yeah, well, it's just a, it's just such a fascinating story, and there's so much potential there. For, I guess humor and um, I don't know, just more. Like I just wanted to know more about what happened between those people out there, and and yeah, I guess 
I'm really interested, Ash, in what your takeaway was after doing, after writing all this music and doing all the research that you did. Obviously, you're, um, you kind of had a more enhanced feeling towards them and, and what they actually achieved. What, what was your feeling after writing what you wrote? Well, I suppose the reason I did start writing, because I wasn't going to write anything about them, but is that I actually had no idea that they made it to the goal. Mm. And they and they actually made it back yeah. to the depot party. And, I mean, the tragedy there is, and I, and I suppose it, it can be seems comical, is that, you know, they get back there that night and they'd left the morning, you know, so they missed just mm. five days. But uh, seven hours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a note here. I, I'm not sure how much you as a listener or already know about the Birkenwill story, but like the big tragic moment, as he just sort of describes, is after months of traveling and desperately trying to reach uh, the kind of party that were waiting for them, Birkenwills missed the party by something like five to seven hours, which ultimately is the kind of final nail in the coffin uh, for their survival, really, which is kind of just, it's just a huge moment. So, yeah, it's comical, but in a very dark, comical kind of way. Or ironic, really, that they thought they could survive the Australian desert on their own without taking into consideration the tens of thousands of years of experience from Indigenous culture. Um, that's It really is about perspective, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, back to the phone call. For me, and Sarah Murgatroyd's book, it's an interesting, that one. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. For one aspect of it in that it gave the physical aspects that they were going through, which were just really heavy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you walk into the golf and you're dealing with all the elements. Um, she brought that out in the book. I, I wasn't totally into where she was coming from. She seemed to always pay out on Bert, which <laughs> yeah. I could understand. Yeah, I could understand to a degree, but it was almost like she and you talk about the expedition and 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 you know they just overcompensate in so many ways. But you know they didn't know what they were doing really, so that, I can understand that overcompensation. Mm-hmm. But she'd pay out on him all the way through this chapter. But they had to do what they had to do, and he had to make calls on it too because it was the only way they were going to get things done. So pays out. Yet the decisions that were made were, in, in my mind what had to be made and he had to do to keep the thing going. So I sometimes I really couldn't understand where she was coming from. She was having to go, but then was like, well, they had to do it anyway to keep going. So it's an interesting book, but, you know, getting back to what you sort of were asking, the question it was just like, um, I, I was amazed at what they did. And I and I didn't know anything about the story, and that's what got me in about Ned Kelly. Really, I mean, you only hear about Ned Kelly in the last stand. When I went into Ned Kelly, it's it's what happened when he was a kid. It, you know, the, the parents, and it goes all the way through. So, I, I, you know, gee, I go for a walk down the beach. I walk a couple of k's, yeah, and I'm bugged. <laughs> and and the one thing about yeah, the one thing that's great about the big tree by Sarah Murgatroyd and Alan Moorhead's book, and when I talk to Dave, is that, like I said before, what they went through was amazing. It was really incredible. 
and the fact that they got to the goal and then they came back, that just, that amazed me. And I've read about other people that have gone into Australia's, you know, explored, and these people were tough. And you can say, yeah, but certainly seemed out there and eccentric, you know, but I was, I did a few radio interviews when the CD came out and not one of them knew that Burke and Will got to the goal and actually made it back to the depot party. And that was when the shit hit the fan. I said, and that's when they were just like gone because yeah. they were physically bogged. And, and they were like, I had no idea. I just thought they didn't know what they were doing. They got lost. And I said, no. So, so that was, um, that was really interesting. I was re- reflecting on a part of the story that I think your your version does very well as, as well. Um, like on the way back when, and and like, especially in Sarah Murgatroyd's book, she really just like paints the picture of the hell that they're doing. Uh, like just, uh, yeah, like they are, they're really like, it's amazing that they survive. It's amazing they survive that long, let, let alone anything else. In, in your narrating, it almost, it's still optimistic on their way back. It's still quite like, they're still like dreaming of the hero's return and all this kind of stuff like that. They're, they're kind of like, um, capturing this kind of like a sense of like yeah we we gave it a shot and we're still doing the thing and they're still like which when I read in the Sarah like at least the Sarah Murgatroyd and some other sort of um stories of it they were like they were they were like threatening to kill each other like that was so they were so dark and gloomy in that kind of period and that's like a that that really stood out as like whoa I think we we've read oh like like uh, the interpretations are really different on on the, their mindset on the way back particularly. I found that really interesting. And um, I guess I'm wondering how much of that was like Dave Phoenix as a writer or like if it's if it's you. Um, because when Dave writes about the path back, he he talks about like Charlie Gray and um, like he's got dysentery, but he's still hoping to get back. And it's just like, you're going to die in like less than a day. <laughs> I don't know, all that kind of stuff. I find that kind of stuff quite funny. In the, only it's the sense that the angle that Alana and I are taking is a very sort of different sort of track. And so... I really wanted to like talk to you about the more that you got out of it and why, how the optimism came through, or like what you think. Yeah, their last sort of being. Yeah, yeah. I, I look. I can I can hear uh, your. Um, I get the sense of where you come from. You know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I suppose I'm like maybe totally opposite. Like when I was reading it uh, um, and about the story and what they're doing and, and everything that you're talking about, the dysentery and and um, and the shutting down of their body nearly every day. And just they just kept on going. Mm. Um, yeah, so for my the story was like, fuck, you know, yeah. this is, these guys did something amazing. I mean, I just, and I did it with Ned Kelly um, and, I, and I reckon you guys would be the same. The only way to really get in the story is to try and somehow feel what they felt. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be able to feel that physically. Emotionally, I might be able to get some sense of it. And, um, you know, because the Ned Kelly story could get really dark. So there were times when you just had to, if you're going to write a piece of music that you wanted to get that across, you, you had to get into a, a mind a mind place that, it is sort of heavy and dark, you know, somehow. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, and so with with Burke and Wills, and this is where Sarah Murgatroyd's book was really good. It was really good. Um, so I don't mean I, don't, I hope you don't think I'm paying out on her because oh, there no, 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 no. Like, 
Yeah, nah, I think the whole point is that we're like we're reading the same we're reading the same sort of content and taking different sort of like I think that's an amazing thing to happen. First of all, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Well, that that's it. Like I can see where you're coming from, and for me, it was totally opposite. It was like fuck, you know, this is this. Like I said, you know, if I go for a bushwalk, but um, and when you work like working with Dave. I mean, and it was the same with working with Ian Jones. Like Ian, Ian practically knew them because mm. you know for fifty, sixty years he'd been studying the Kelly Gang. It was like he knew them, and Dave, in some ways, was like that too. So if I talked to him about the physicality of it, or what they were going through, or what happened out there in Charlie Gray, and and you know, and and I mean, it was heavy. It was heavy, you know. And I and there's a sense of that adventure and that exploration. And what they came up against, like when he talks about when they hit, I mean, I, I just sort of think to myself, and and you think of the indigenous people, like because they helped them a lot. Yeah, you know, I think that's the part yeah. the part we really sort of um, found put us at a cross crossroads. Really, was like yes, they they had this incredible hardship, and yes, they they travelled for you know thousands of kilometres. And um, and they did survive despite all of that dysentery and all of that sort of dehydration and hardship and ate camels and you know uh, all that kind yeah. of stuff. They also had indigenous guides. They they were told to fire on indigenous people on approach. They rejected all sorts of like food and gifts. And where they where they ended up dying. The reason why they had dysentery was because they had observed the the making of this nardu, which which the indigenous people is is kind of a flour which used to bake bread, um, mm-hmm. which is just like a like a um, a plant that you find in the most sort of dry conditions. And the reason why they got so sick was they were trying to harvest this nardu, but they just they hadn't really observed. And listened and paid attention to how the indigenous people were doing it, so they were eating it in a really um, unsanitary way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically, it, they weren't eating it when it was fully processed, and so they would get really sick, and it mm. would make them basically shit out everything, and then they'd be still hungry after they eating the nardu, and they were just progressively becoming more and more dehydrated. So the, the place they actually died, they were surrounded with this this indigenous vegetation that had kept people alive for, for, for thousands of years. But because yeah. that they were rejecting this, I mean, for us, it, for us I think right now it's a really interesting um, symbolism because it's kind of like you've got these civilizations that have been there, the people who have been, lived there for, you know, 60 to 80,000 years and they have this, Wisdom of survival and um, and and these explorers in inverted commas sort of walking in and and saying, well, we don't need that. We don't need your help. We're just going to do this on our own. And and not just that, but actually street like using them as guides and also kind of firing at them at will just shows a real kind of arrogance, I think. And and that's kind of where we've looked into, I think, more. We we kind of read the Sarah Murgatroyd, and there's a, a little bit of um, there's a little bit of suggestion of that, but it doesn't go right into it. Um, mm, and mm. I guess we went more along that because we realised we couldn't really just write 
a funny musical about um, a bunch of, of guys going into the desert yeah, and yeah, and exactly. and dying. We mm. just realised that there's actually a lot more to this story, and and in the, the current climate, it's, there's a lot of really important aspects to the story that I think we realised we had to address if we were going to do this at all. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah, think that, I'm with you. That really struck us. Um, but, when we went more more into it, but I think you're right because I think you know you can't really write them off as just 100% two dimensional characters because they did do an incredible thing, which is sort of unimaginable physically in this day and age to do that sort of level of intense kind of um, yeah physical duress. Yeah, there's no possible way that I will ever embark on a journey like that. Like I'm very aware that I'm <laughs> no. like, oh, yeah, I'm the cotton bud I'm- in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. You know what's interesting, though, in doing this project with Dave, and I think this is another thing that a lot of people aren't aware of, is that he stressed how much the Indigenous people did help them. Mm. And and the the thing is with, and I'm sure you know this, is that Wills was really open to them. And he, he listened to them or tried to communicate and and did Burke not so much. And that's you know, that's the thing with Burke. But, you know, there's that yin and yang thing sometimes with Burke and Wills that seem to work with each other in, in certain ways. But uh, I'm hearing you, but but I, but I they they did get a lot of help from them. And uh, the, the Nardu that you're talking about, yeah, that, that, that was, you know, they certainly sort of, sort of worked that out a bit better. But along the journey... Um, not right from the start, but all the way through. And yes, there were times when they um, they shot, but it's an interesting <laughs> one because some of the groups they came across were cool, if I could, you yeah. know, for want yeah, of a better yeah. word. Like, some of the other groups they came across, yeah, where some of the other groups they came across were like a bit more heavier. You know, it's like, oh, what are we going to do? You know, we shoot a bullet up in the air, they'll run away. I mean, it's. I don't think they were shooting at them to kill them. Um, or do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's. There's a process there to sort of like to, uh, yeah, to 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 just just to be careful. Essentially, it's it's just, it's like the fear that they were just scared of them. Essentially, is the way that I sort of read that. They're just like, oh, yeah, let's exactly. Just try to so avoid like this altogether. That, yeah, like if they were coming in and just taking stuff and all that type of gear, well, it was like, what are we going to do about this? You know, um, I'm not discounting that. It would have been a really heavy situation out there, but uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I get you. So there was the two ways. They, they were certainly getting help from them, but there were a couple of groups that were a bit heavy. And what are you going to do? Like, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. That one. Yeah, and I think that was the, that was like the that's the crossroads that we came to. We're just like we're like oh well then. Like where this this story? I think I mean I think you're absolutely right in that. Like Wills was definitely more open, and Burke Burke was it seemed like to be staunchly against any involvement or help from indigenous people the whole way, but still received it. It was such a weird. He's like an interesting character yeah, in that sort of sense. He, yeah, yeah. He seemed like nah, I'm I'm doing it. Yeah, this is <laughs> my thing. This is my thing a bit. And but you know, one of the interviews I did with this guy who was right into Burke and Wills, he couldn't stand Burke. He said, how can you be into this guy? 
And I was like, look, I'm not totally with him <laughs> or into him completely, but his drive, his drive and relentlessness and pushing coupled with Wills' side of the character was maybe what was needed to get this thing over the line, you know? I, I There's parts of his character that I don't think were very helpful at all with Bert, but yeah. there's aspects of it that I can see the drivenness of it, sometimes maybe what was needed. You're right. They wouldn't have accomplished it that much without Burke's decision. But I think from the early on, we're like, oh man, you should have called this off. And like, I think that confidence is basically why they accomplished what they did, but it really also sort of painted their demise at the same time. And that's, that's why I think it's the interesting thing. Yeah. I know, but Tom, what I find so interesting is that they actually did a, like, to me, they actually, they did it. Mm-hmm. But like they did, they did. The expedition did set out what it was meant to do, and but the, the depot party, it was it was the fact that the depot party left. I can imagine if they'd got there that morning. Or, uh, yeah, or I know. Just that. <laughs> that, that I mean, that that really is the tragedy there, isn't it? That is the tragedy because to me, Burke and Will's expedition, they and you know. There's been some amazing books come out now about the scientific discoveries that Will's pretty much made and noted. I don't know if you've seen those books, but yeah. the actual the actual information that came from the expedition is is monumental. People didn't know about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but so I sort of think people going about the expedition and oh no, it didn't do it. Well, to me, it I know it didn't, but you get what I'm saying. It was ten hours. You know, yeah, whether yeah. It could, they could have been, those two could have been, history would have been written totally different about what they did. I think that's a really good point in that it's like, imagine if they did, yeah, history would be written different. But be, but because they didn't, that maybe we can learn something from that. And it's like, it's learn something pretty valuable that seems pretty important. Can, can I ask... I was just wondering, like, just to give us a some because we've both essentially you're barking on a sim like sort of similar things. What was the kind of response you got from doing a Burke and Wills thing? Like, who were the people that were into it, or what do you how do you, how do you feel the public or your listeners took your project on board? Well, because um, I've been writing instrumental music for a while, um, the public. Because I've done live shows, these like the Ned Kelly one I just did down at Port Ferry mm. again, and I, I did that so long ago. Um, uh, I mean, there's the music side of it, which is separate from the story side of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah because so what I do find is both with both projects is when people come to the concert. Or, or because I try and tell the story in both both the shows, um, the overriding thing is definitely people had a lot, oh, I had no idea. Mm. I had no idea about Kip the Kelly era and this character, this character, this character. I had no idea that, you know, in Birkin was, oh, they got to the goal. Shit. And they <laughs> made it back. Yeah. You, so that, that, so, and um, for mine, that's what comes out 
with people who, you know, buy the CD. Mm. I mean, I buy it, I think, because they're interested in what I do musically, yeah. But but then, but it's also, you know, you're either write songs, and in, in the case of this, there's a story. So it's like, all right, you know, I'll listen to this music and I'll read the story. So the whole thing of, you know, um, them reading the compositions by Ian and Dave um, is another aspect to it that sort of um, they get into, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, well, this is interesting, you know. That's yeah. I think that's. I think that's what. That's at least what we're hoping for is that we at least are able to tell a story, uh, in a way that an audience member like that that will be like, oh, that is there is information in there. Like this, this there is something we can garner from this story as opposed to yeah. It's also really wild that like, I mean, I mean, really the big difference ultimately between Alana and I and your project is that you you let a lot of the music retain retain a lot of the abstract sort of qualities, and so we almost. We're trying to tell people this story directly, which changes so much of the material, I guess. Um, which you, when we invite you to come and see, it, you just get to watch a story that you already know very, very well, but we're just going to tell it to you again in a different way, um, with with absolute clarity from our perspective, as opposed to like musical abstractness. It's interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> I really look forward to it. I'm sure you'll get the same thing, like. Because obviously you've gone into it, and and you're doing your side of it, which is like with Ned Kelly, you know, you had um, uh, Heath Ledger, yeah, you know, exactly. That's and like another telling of that sunshine. Yeah, um, Peter Carey's novel. It was just you know, but again, that fiction and fact sort of thing. But there's always interpretation. But I'm sure, just listening to what you guys, um, the story and and your knowledge of the story. You'll get people going, I had no idea, mm. and you know, and I think it's really valuable that, you know, I mean, I've got my take on it, which is, but everybody's take's going to be different every, anyway. Yeah. You yeah. know, what you focus in on, I mean, yeah. it's hard because it's a very different time. I think, you know, politics have changed so much and the way that an audience is going to view something changes over a matter of year to year, so... It's one of those really interesting, complex stories that you can actually keep going back to and going, well, what what does this mean now? Like, you know, in the same way as like today in the papers, they're talking about Captain Cook and 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 discussing, you know, the the very many uh, intricacies of his kind of political identity and what it means for Australia to celebrate a character like that in this climate. Um, and it's really complex, but it, you know, it wasn't for a long time. It really wasn't questioned at all. Mm. So I think it's just every, every, yeah, we can just keep looking at this story with new, new lenses. And, and it's true that so many people haven't heard it. I, I kind of assumed that more people knew about it than I did, but I don't think it was actually taught in, in school or anything. Like no. it wasn't like the Ned Kelly story where it was quite well, um, established. So, yeah. yeah, that's kind and of... And you're right, it is. And the Indigenous culture, like, both in the Indigenous culture and in Birkenwald is very prevalent. Like, the only people Ned Kelly was worried about, the only dudes he was worried about were the trackers from Queensland because they knew, he knew that they could find him. 
That's, you know, yeah, that's the, and he yeah, loved, he was really wary of that. Like he was so aware of really wary, yeah. but he was right into them because they loved the country, and he loved the country too. So there, it was an interesting sort of situation. But when I read the Big Tree too, one of the things that got me in really big is how the indigenous people like live out there. And one of the tracks is I got Digin, and I got a mate from um, down Gippsland Way to mm. come in and play. And I was talking to him about, you know, his brothers that, and I, because he was, you know, down here in Victoria, he said, oh man, those dudes, they were tough buggers, you know, his words, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because, you know, they're his brothers. And he was saying, like, mate, those guys up there, like, and he painted this picture of, like, yeah, John King would have been taken care of by them. And the fact that you were saying before about the Nardu, like, they knew how to, live out there and that there's one thing that's interesting with Bergen Wills because you get the the Bergen Wills the white side thing going man you know they're just trying to get by because they yeah. don't have this knowledge yet the indigenous people are right on it in this land that looks so desolate and nothing but they keep moving they keep finding them. that's a part of the story um, that that I find amazing too um, and Dave really brought that out as well and that's why what Dave said to me, he said, he, and it was a part of the story that I didn't really know about. He said, look, there's a lot more connection with Bergen Mills and the Indigenous people than, than what people know. Yeah, um, that's in true. The expedition. Mm. Mm. I think it's just our perception of, um, you know, hearing those historians who are predominantly telling that European story talking yeah. about, you know, seeing Australia and seeing it as this terra nullius and this kind of arid land that's kind of un, un, inhospitable. And then, you know, thinking about the fact that, that for, for so many thousands of years, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't viewed like that. It's obviously um, perspective. It's obviously like looking at a piece of land and knowing what, knowing how to live off it and, and understanding it as a organism, I guess. And that, that's the difference is if you can't arrive somewhere and, and know exactly how to live in a, in a sustainable way with, with an environment that you have no concept of. So hence dragging a, a bathtub into the, the middle of the desert and wagons, boats with wheels and all the crazy shit that they decided to take. It's kind of like there's a level of, of it's just ignorance and um, I think that's part of, a huge part of why they perished. And I think that what we've come up against in telling this story and in the form of a musical, which, you know, is inherently, um, I guess, funny or lightweight in a way, we sort of like got to the point where we're like, okay, we really can't tell, we, we can't tell this story without um, without representing this Indigenous voice or this other half of this story that, that's happening at the same time. And, yeah. and as two, like, whiteies that Tom and I are like descended from European ancestors we're, we're, that's what we're struggling with is how do we then tell this story about Burke and Will these other mm-hmm. two white people as two white people and and represent um and represent these people who who aren't who are voiceless in that situation and sort of continue to be voiceless in a lot of other situations so you know that's our that's our kind of struggle with writing this this music Man, I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. I could imagine. 
Yeah, yeah. In many ways, you yeah. were like doing it just just instrumental version made so much more sense. It was like, oh yeah, this yeah. <laughs> this this encapsulates well, it really it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah dead, dead. that's why I got the. That's why I went. To, I was never. I mean, you know, with the Ned Kelly, it was like, I should do I write songs to this? And then I thought, oh no, I'm no Bob Dylan. And then I, <laughs> then it was like, you know, because some of these old classical musical albums, they're written around stories. You yeah. know, this sweet five belongs to this. So. I thought to myself, oh, I'll get someone else who really knows the gear, you know. And Ian Jones is practically Australia's foremost historian on Ned Kelly, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And sadly, he's not with us anymore. But Dave Phoenix is pretty much. I mean, I know um, that another massive book came out. Was it Peter Fitzsimmons came out about Birkin Wills? But I know that Dave worked on that Peter Fitzsimmons book. Yeah, I, I also way. read that book, and I was I was I was flabbergasted by the some of the some of the the, the, the writing style I was not into at all. And actually, I, I liked. I mean, yeah. I, I genuinely liked David Phoenix's sort of accounts because he's much more academic about it as well. Um, the Peter Fitzsimmons well, ones was really it. missed a spot sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, and so. Fortunately, I met Dave, and, and, and like I said, I just thought, oh, man, I'm going to – he's the dude. And, and, you know, it was great. He, he came on on board and taught me a lot, and, and there was a lot I didn't know, mm. you know, um, which, was, which was one thing, which was major, was the Indigenous connection, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he – Dave's great when you talk to him about Bert. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable, actually. So, yeah, <laughs> it was a bit – I my thing was like, all right. I've read the story. I loved it. This is my thing with it. Let's get together. What do you reckon? Am I on? You know, yeah, this is how yeah, I yeah. feel about it. Am I right? Am I wrong? Um, can you you write the story? So you know, I I just went with that, which yeah is a lot in some ways very much easier than uh, for just the reason that you were talking to me about. Um, yeah, uh, for it's me and you. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Which I think is easier to to represent in in music in like an abstract form rather than totally. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes people ring me up to talk about this particular project, and they don't realise that. Uh, I mean, I hope I've been helpful. Well, not helpful, but you know, this discussion's been you know. Oh, it's been good great. This is awesome. Thanks so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But some people think. Then I'm the historian in it, and it's like, well, no, I'm not. Yeah, Dave were, is, I, yeah. I love the story. I love the story, and I'm into it, and I can talk about it to a degree, but not in a real factual, historical sense of mm-hmm. what Dave can, you know, and for that mm-hmm. matter, Ian can. Yeah. Yeah, do yeah. keep in touch. Let me know when you when it's all happening. But yeah, of course. Yeah, if you can't get in touch with Dave, let me know. We'll give you a holler. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Good Ash. on you. Cheers, Okay. Ash. So that was a big chunk of our chat with Ashley Davies. There was plenty more. Well, thanks so much for having that big conversation, Ash. I'll I'll put a link to his Bandcamp page where you can buy the album and definitely check out his Ned Kelly work as well. Ash very kindly sent us a copy of the album after our conversation. He was a real champ and we're getting a taste of what it's like to come up against people who have a different perspective on this work. I'm looking to talking to Dave Phoenix as well, president of the Burke and Wills Society, who worked with Ash on his project, who's also a prolific academic on the subject. Next episode, we're going to hear from Alana exploring another side of this story altogether. So a big thanks to IPAC, and our theme song is by Nicole Smead. Thanks for listening.